There we go. Hit record. <laughs> We're way out of practice. Can everybody say something? Yeah. Hey. Hey. It's good to hey. be What's together with you all. Yeah. Finally. How long has it been? Three months? Four months? It's, yeah, it's got to be close to four months. Yep. So yeah. if you're listening and you don't know us personally, we each took off like quite a chunk of time that were staggered. And so by the now we're all back and ready to get going again. But it was uh, it was a nice time off. It was great. I agree. Igor, you took a good chunk of time off or no? Yes? No? Yeah, at the end of last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But not But then not I think the you had a few weeks. You had a couple weeks or so before oh, yeah. I went out. Yeah. Ah, okay. Gotcha. You, you know it's been a long time when my trainer asks when's our next episode coming out? Oh, somehow you got muted, Robert. I can't hear you. Oh, I said we we did have a couple people say what the heck, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. But we're super out of practice now, so that, who knows if this episode's <laughs> even going to get published. This Just might getting back in the saddle. This might be like a pancake. The first pancake you make, kind of, you're ready to throw <laughs> that one away. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about. Were we doing Bill Campbell? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chapter by yeah. chapter before we trillion dollar coach went on hiatus. Yeah. I think we finished chapter two. Yeah, that so sounds that, there might be I might actually have one more episode to to post. I think it's almost done. Mm. So you've been sitting on I'm that one. Do. That's good. So yeah. Maybe, yeah. Just more. I thought I would get it done when I took time off and then I didn't. And then when we got back, it was super busy. And so things have finally calmed down a little bit. Hopefully we'll be fairly chill through the end of the year. Would be nice. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. Yeah. We'll give maybe just a, a little bit of a short episode just to yeah get the pancake tested. We'll see if we post it. But uh, Charles, do you want to maybe talk about your time off and we can go around and maybe handle it that way? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So big news. I, I was on sabbatical for the summer and I started off with a trip to France and I proposed and got engaged while in France, which was part of the plan. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was pretty awesome. It was on a hotel balcony that had a view of the Eiffel Tower where I proposed. Oh, man. Hard to beat that. I know. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty stereotypical, but also very classic, I think. Classic. <laughs> classic is the right word yeah. I would use yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was fun. We, we spent some time in a couple of different cities in France, experienced some really good food, saw part of the French Riviera. And and that was good. That was the trip that we were planning to take the year the world shut down because of the pandemic. So it was kind of a, a nice, I don't know what the right word is, but m- maybe a maybe a return to normalcy, you know, now yeah. that yeah, now that the world is has figured out, at least to a certain degree, how to deal with the pandemic. And so that was that was pretty special because we had planned to take this trip in twenty twenty, I think, and then we had to postpone it for postpone a couple it. of years. Yeah. So it had some but special you, meaning to it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. The the f- full circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That did the pandemic delay your marriage slash proposal plans or was, was this just a, a good timing based that's, on where y'all were at? That's a good question. I, I think the pandemic accelerated that because I, I would say at the start of the pandemic, we were still both like, yeah, we're probably not going to get married again. We'd both been married before and and we're too close to that to want to do it again. But we we actually really thrived during the pandemic. We probably saved each other in a lot of ways. Like I, I couldn't imagine going through the pandemic alone and without a romantic partner, a life partner sort of thing. And so I think it's, it's just serendipitous how it all happened where we got closer and felt more comfortable with the idea of getting married. And then we planned the trip and made it happen. I distinctly remember leading up to it. I was like, oh, shoot, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it on this trip. (laughs) I just had some realization I was driving in the car or something. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure this is a dream of hers. And it's really now or it's never going to be as good as this sort of thing. So that was that was kind of fun. Refresh my memory that you, you sort of proposed at the end. 
yeah. of the trip. Yeah, last day. Actually, yeah, last day. It was the morning of the day that we were flying back from Paris to to Texas. Yeah, my brother gave me for that. He's like, dude, you're supposed to do that at the beginning of the at trip? At the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell I'm not very practiced at this. But. Cla- yeah, chalk it up to things that it you just don't think about it but I, then yeah when someone says it yeah it's so obvious i mean you think right? oh yeah, yeah. should have done that <laughs> so anyway we did that and then in the middle of the summer we we did a lot of family trips because we wanted to tell people in person that we got engaged oh yeah yeah so also saw, classic very mm-hmm, nice mm-hmm. yeah so saw her family saw my family and then we wrapped up with a trip including the kids to yellowstone which was amazing it was just really profoundly beautiful but just the diversity of nature in that massive park and just it it was just a special thing to do with the kids we stayed up late one night pulled off on the side of the road and watched the milky way emerge as the sun went down oh so cool yeah yeah yeah. so that that was probably the highlight of that trip is just seeing their faces and their reactions to all that and and just being immersed in nature which is so good for the for the soul, for the mental health, and for everything like that. I was watching this show. I can't remember what it was, but the dad took the daughter sort of like stargazing with mm. a little telescope, and she had caught, the daughter caught like a comet or something, oh, yeah. some kind yeah. of meteor or something mm. in motion. And she was like, hey, don't you want to see? And he's like, no, like my moment is seeing you have your moment. Mm. And so I, I mm-hmm. think that's a cool thing yeah, where you get to see your your kids or or whatever have have an experience for the first time. It's pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. Yeah. It was special. Yeah. And then after hey, that, so it, I came back to work. So that was, that was kind of Pause the, that real quick though. Because mm-hmm. you, you said you had a bunch of food in, in France. What was your favorite? Oh, man. Well, so the second city that we were in was in Lyon, which is halfway between Paris and the coast, like the French Riviera coast. We went to Nice and that's where we had I don't think there's a single thing that we ate that was the best, but we did a food tour in old Lyon and we learned a lot about the history of Lyon and all of the different culinary influences from different parts of Europe that just come together in that area. And uh, that was pretty, that was pretty phenomenal. Just all sorts of different types of food, dried sausages and cheeses. That's probably the that type of food that we enjoyed the most. We bought a lot of those and had picnics at random places throughout the trip. Nice. That was that was pretty good. Very cool. Yeah. That's Love that's it. something we're going to do from now on is every time we go someplace try to do a food tour as soon as we arrive so we can get immersed in the culture and the food and we know what we like and what we want to eat throughout the rest of the trip. So that's a lesson that we learned from this France trip. Yeah, and the people you encounter generally friendly Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, it didn't even cross my mind, the whole stereotypical French people don't like Americans. Everybody was totally chill, totally cool. Yeah, that was my experience. I mean, I, it's been decades, but mm. like there there may be gripes about collectives or what your country's doing or, or whatever the difference is there. But it seems like when you go to a restaurant and you're talking with actual humans mm-hmm. and you're pleasant, like, yeah, everyone's. Just normal people. We're all yeah. the same. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's so great. I'm glad you got some downtime. Yeah. It was It was the other thing that I did just along with all the trips and stuff like that was really diving deep into health and longevity. I could probably go down rabbit holes if you all want, but maybe that's a separate episode. But just a lot of research into exercise, nutrition, causes of mortality, and what to do to reduce risk of that over a lifetime sort of thing. That was the personal research and transformation stuff I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Any, obviously not giving medical advice, anything that you realized that you changed that's been helpful? Yeah. Well, the, I think that the number one thing that people can do to reduce risk of all cause mortality, so death from all sorts of different causes, is to start exercising. Like that's it. Like that hands down universally agreed upon going from nothing to some sort of exercise, like dramatically reduces your risk of death 
And I didn't realize it was that profound, you know, just in terms of how much 150 minutes of elevating your heart rate a week can do to protect you from all sorts of diseases and things like that. And so I've started to increase the amount of exercise that I do as a result of that. One, one thing I know we've talked about before is, I don't know if they call it biohacking or what, but like putting sensors on your body mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and measuring things. And, and I have just like this sort of app, exercise app that I follow. And there's these, there were these cardio days and I had, so it was more, they call them like daily deposit, right? Mm-hmm. So 10, 15 minutes between days where you do the heavier stuff. Yeah. Yep. And I noticed like over the summer when I was like, my kids were in soccer training. We hired a coach and I'll talk about that more later, but I would be running around with them kind of playing goalie, just goofing off. But there's a lot of running. Mm -hmm. And especially like with my son to motivate him, I would do the drills with him. With my daughter, I tried to like keep it a little bit more competitive. Mm -hmm. And so we would play together. And I I would notice the the strain. So the whoop band measures rest and strain, basically Mm -hmm. recovering strain, I guess. And so you can kind of like optimize how hard you push based on how well rested you are. And I noticed that the the strain factor went way up, which is good Mm -hmm. uh, when I was just goofing around running around and it was lower much lower when i did an equivalently long daily deposit from the mm. app so i just i, I switched it to just it, it's just called cardio and basically I, I i line that up with soccer practice nights or whatever and it's just being outside and running around and just playing yeah yeah for me it was like a huge yeah like a huge benefit but it's cool to like when you dig in some things really move the needle in some things, you could spend a, a ton of time and energy like switching to mm-hmm. salads, but then you dump a bunch of ranch on it or whatever, and it's like, yeah. well, how much how much progress is are you making actually making? So mm-hmm. it's nice to measure it. Yeah, yeah. That's some of what I've found, too. In, in the number one leading cause of death worldwide is cardiovascular disease, just heart disease. And just the... You know, there, there's a lot of public health information about healthy eating, like lifestyle changes and things like that. But nutrition is is a lever that if you have high risk, like I do, like I have family history of high cholesterol and my dad had a heart attack when he was young, in his 30s, actually, which is kind of scary when I think about it because I'm in my 30s. But that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm trying to educate myself. Nutrition just, it's when you're high risk, it's not the best lever to pull. It just, it really isn't. I, there, there's not enough that you can do. And I'd I finally had to get over my blanket, like, oh, I'm not going to take any medicine. That's bad. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't need to do that. I can do everything through diet and exercise. And I just have finally let that go. And it's like, I just need to look at the data and, and figure out what's going to move the needle the most to reduce my risk. And if that means I need to get on a medication, so be it sort of thing. Like I, I, I really feel like I can't delay that anymore like I have for the past five, six, seven years, probably. So I think that's this sabbatical has helped me to really level up my health and hopefully increase my lifespan and health span. I'll live longer and I'll have higher quality of life. That's the hope, (laughs) at least. But I feel like I've got really good foundation now. Obviously more to do, always more to improve, but I think I finally got my head right around what to focus on. So what a blessing but to be able to take time away from work to do that and to make those behavior changes. I wouldn't have been able to do it without, without that, that gift from our company. Yeah. And I guess we haven't really, maybe we mentioned on a prior episode, I don't know, but we both took 12 weeks off this year. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of overlap, probably yep. half of the time we both were out. Yeah, And then, yeah, so you, you definitely, like the time away for sure, Adds a, adds a bit of clarity and helps you reconfigure life. And, and I think what you did is right in line with what we would aspire people to do who go on sabbatical, which is like set yourself up. You, it's, it's fine if you just put some gas in the tank and you can go longer, but setting yourself up to be more sustainable in your work and life mm-hmm. balance, you'll get more hyper-productive years out of the situation. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think that's right in line. And I, I, somebody asked me, it's like, hey, did you think about work at all? It's like, hey, do you feel bad that you took all this time? It's like, no, not at all. Because I, I plan on being at this company for 
the foreseeable future. Like I have no plans to leave. And so some of my most productive and impactful years are probably going to be my last ones at the company. And so if I can extend my life and increase the quality of life that I have, that's good for the company and good for our employees and our clients and, and things like that. And so it's, I see it as a long-term investment in the, in our firm, even though it seems like it's just something that's benefits me. Yeah. I think I was reading is the United Airlines CEO was talking about potential demand as we head into potential recession, things like that. And mm. what he was saying is what they thought in the past, and who knows if this is true, but it's an interesting hypothesis from the CEO. In the past, they thought that consumers or passengers, right, were limited by their discretionary spend on travel. Mm. And he says, that's not what we're seeing. We're not seeing any kind of slowdown. People were constrained by time. Mm. No one had time to get on a flight and go somewhere. Interesting, yeah. And now that we have a little bit of a different work dynamic, they're seeing the the demand stay pretty strong for travel. And mm. so there's some interesting things to think about once you get into how long you take off, what you do, how to be effective with it. We have some episodes on that yep. as well, but there is no substitute for just a, a large chunk of time. Certainly there's diminishing returns, but it does seem like the the chunk of time off really helps clarify yep. what you want to do moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Cool. Anything else noteworthy? I don't think so. I'm, I, I can't wait to hear what y'all have to say. So I'll, I'll pass the torch to y'all. Yeah, and this is your second one, right? Yes. Well, yeah, my mine second too. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the first one I remember the 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 most profound feeling after coming back from my first sabbatical five years ago was oh wait you mean everything just kind of like runs without me <laughs> just fine like shoot yeah and, <laughs> okay, and you don't you don't even need me yeah yes so- you you don't need me and the problems that were there when we stepped away are still there when we come back still there when you get back yeah <laughs> yes i know yeah. the feeling <laughs> it was a bit of a it hurt my ego a little bit mm-hmm. on the first one mm-hmm. just because like the world just kept spinning just fine yeah and now our levels and responsibility are quite different and so i had some concern that things would fall down and what i was impressed well i was disappointed in the first sabbatical and how little my contributions really seem to matter. Mm. And on this one, I was really impressed at the people who stepped up and kept things running when I was gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now it's completely made me rethink about delegation and what people are ready for and how quickly people can really grow and move and, and how there's a hunger for that opportunity, just mm-hmm. like you and I have. Like we're, We can't wait to carve off what's next. Everyone on our teams like feels the same way. Yeah. And so it was that was something I maybe intellectually knew and was scratching the surface of, but it became very visceral coming back where it's like, wait a minute, I had people complete a full sales cycle on their own and came back and there's just a contract to sign basically. Mm-hmm. Other people like made new new relationships, delivered some really key things, and I, my eyes weren't on it. And I kind of peek at it when I get back and it's, I'm thinking, this is better. This, I would have only gotten in the way here. Mm. Like, it's really cool yeah. to see some of that growth. But anyway, Igor, remind me, man. So you got married in the last 12 months too, right? So you two are both. Y- yes. Yeah, so, and, and I guess, Charles, we proposed maybe within a couple hundred yards of one another, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just at a, on a different date. Because yeah. I proposed on the Champs Elysees on New Year's, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing you weren't too far away if your balcony had a good view of, of the yep. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. So I guess we're both cheesy. That's pretty legit. <laughs> we're both <laughs> classic. classic. Yes, classic. <laughs> classic. Yes, yes. Classic. Way to go, guys. I love yeah. it. Uh, and yeah. that's a year ago. That's just a year, a year ago? Well, Seems like a the, long time. Well, no, the proposal was in 2019, pre-COVID. Oh yeah, no. I'm sorry. I'm confusing your proposal with the, the wedding was yeah, yeah, like a yeah. yes. We a little less than a year ago. We we then eloped about a year ago and got married in the little white chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the presence of an Elvis impersonator. That's the only. What's the word? I was going to say also very classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah. 
the only sensible way to do it. Yeah, that's, it, it's that's like they, you see all these things in the movies and you say, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. Just make it happen. Igor, I met your wife for the first time in Denver. Yes, very, what, bri- very briefly. Three, three weeks ago. <laughs> well, then I, I, I saw her again in the elevator. She was going up to the hotel pool to study. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that was that was cool. Yeah. Well, she, a road trip. she really feels like she knows both of you because she listens to this podcast. She's listened, I think, to every episode of this podcast. And so when I when I talk to her about Charles and Robert, she's heard your voice, and she, so she, she 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 it's one of those situations where she, where a person probably knows you weirdly more than you expect them to because they've been exposed to you but it's all it's been like unilateral exposure right because it's not like she's on a podcast that you've been listening to so she's probably more familiar with you than you would expect her to be yeah that makes sense i think y'all should just have your own podcast so we can get to know her the way that she's getting to know us (laughs) so you take that or or we could just like have a triple date that's true meet in person (laughs) that too I I feel like if if her and I start a podcast, it would probably devolve into something that like I'd have to put like explicit language warnings <laughs> on because she, she has no filter, and part of that is just being a foreign national, right? And so yeah, I'd, I'd probably not safe for kids sort of stuff, but it'd definitely be entertaining. I think people would would get a kick out of it. Oh, I loved it when y'all took me to dinner that one night. That was the lack of filter was very refreshing, at least from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, it's <was> good. <laughs> yeah, it's because she just just says whatever's on her mind, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's most folks aren't like that, right? Most folks they're doing like some sort of reputation management or or whatever, and so she she's also her freedom of expression has also encouraged me to be a little bit more free with my my expression as well. So that's, that's, been I good. mean, that's the litmus test making each other better. That's awesome. So, yeah, like I, I think triple date should be in the, in our near future. Yes. I think that'd be great. We're down. Yeah, for sure. Cause it's not just, just the Olga. I'd love, I'd love to get to know Diana and Jada and Jamie more as well. Yeah. And I guess I should say, cause I, I mentioned that we got engaged in May during my sabbatical. We also got married in October too. So I'll just say that for our audience since that that transpired very recently. It's been that long, I think, since we've mm-hmm. recorded mm-hmm. together. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I married. don't mind I don't mind taking the break. I'm glad we made this work though. Cause I, I I definitely still have just as much energy and interest in recording with y'all as before. And I, I'm also glad we didn't try to force it while we were out. Yeah. I think it would have been okay, but it was good to just completely disconnected. I'm not sure what really we would have talked about yeah. <laughs> during that time as well. So. Yeah. Be uninteresting for our listeners, I bet. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, tell us about your your sabbatical because you, you took yours roughly a lot of the Venn, the circles in the Venn diagram of your and Charles' sabbatical were had a, had a lot of crossover. Yeah. We definitely tried to maximize summertime because of the school age. We have school age kids, right? And so. I think that made a lot of sense. I have a ton of people took sabbaticals because we deferred a lot of them internally during COVID. A lot of that had to do with we need leadership around it. It didn't make sense for, for instance, the, the person who runs one of our largest accounts to be out for three months in 2020. Like there was too much up in the air. And and plus, where are you going to go? Right. And so we normally they're mandatory. You basically have to take it within a year. Which I think makes a ton of sense. We're we're pretty good at covering for people, and it's it's baked into the culture and that kind of stuff. So we had a, a lot of people take off <laughs> during the summer, though. So much so that it showed up in some like risk reports and and things like that on some internal things. But yeah, I really wanted to be off during the summer. The theme was really to make up for lost time. We had some similar like, vacations and things like that planned in 2020 that that didn't pan out. So we went to. Took four road trips. So we're in the Dallas area. So we went to Austin for 10 days, which happened to coincide with a, a wedding for one of Dinah's cousins, who is from El Paso, but got married in Austin. His wife's family, now wife, wife's family lives in Austin, and she's from Austin. So 
is a pretty natural thing, but it was completely unintentional. And so what we ended up doing was extending our stay a couple of days. And then my wife's parents and her, my brother-in-law and his wife, like came and stayed with us in this Airbnb. So I had like a eight days with the kids and then a couple of days with the whole family around, like there was a pool and, and stuff. And so that was really cool. Drove into Austin, did a few things, but mostly it was really nice just being on a road trip. The kids travel really well now. So we just tried to find places that had like a house with a pool. <clears throat> being away was also really helpful too. Just because like before I'm, I'm a homebody, like I, I would like a staycation. I think it would be fine just to take a week off and be home. But leaving the the laundry and the responsibility and all those things behind and going on an, an adventure to another place was really interesting, really fun. So I think that's going to be our thing now. I don't know if it, the road trip really matters. It was just at the time flights were getting delayed a lot, things like that. So it was just easier to drive and there's a lot of stuff the kids hadn't seen. So <clears throat> went to yeah, Austin and then Galveston twice. Really great trips there. My wife saw some friends that work at the university. So we got to see some stingrays and labs and stuff. And then Diane and I went to Fredericksburg, just the two of us, which was pretty cool. Texas wine country, which is beautiful. Like the hill country is really nice. I've, I've never been, but great views. The wineries are really good. It's a cool trip. We we uh, almost met up. Like I th- we missed each other, we, didn't we? We? Had, we had just missed each other in That's at right. Fredericksburg. Yeah, because you you took a couple weeks off before I went out because you were right. covering for a lot of stuff for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. That was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, Fredericksburg was. I was like very pleasantly surprised in a good way by 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 yeah, like the wineries and stuff like that, and we'd. We'd taken some time last year to go to Napa Valley. And you know, I'm not going to say it's Napa Valley, but it's also like a couple hours drive. So yeah. it's, pretty, it's pretty great for being so close. Yeah, and we, the Airbnbs are... I mean, the, the town is definitely booming. It's this sort of rural town that's just picked up quite a bit, but I think because of the, the wineries and, and things like that. But some of those wineries are really nice. They have good wine, really cool like tastings and experiences and stuff. There's a lot of good restaurants around, heavy German influence. So yeah, I, w- I would never even like remotely say it's like comparable to Napa Valley. Like if you get a f- all expense paid vacation, you should definitely go to Napa. But if yeah, if you it's a nice it's a nice trip. It was super chill. Nice drive. The restaurants were good. We we met someone at the first restaurant we ate at. It's called Hondo's. It's like a staple i don't even know it like they you go and order at a at a window at a bar and but it's really good us and we met a a lady who just retired from teaching and so we were talking to her and she gave us the scoop on where to go and where Mm -hmm. to eat and stuff so i i got a question for either of you would you recommend going to the texas wine country if you don't drink wine and if so uh, yeah, I would, say, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I would even say go to Napa because the like the restaurants there's like Michelin star restaurants and stuff. Like you mm. could go and and the the scenery is beautiful and everything. But yeah, I, I would say absolutely good restaurants. Like the the town is pretty cool. There's lots of interesting shops. At Christmas time they have like a outdoor skating rink and a big tree. Mm. So they do things around the seasons. A lot of the wineries have like food as well. So you just wouldn't want to do like the tours because, yeah. well, I mean, I don't know, but the, one of the tours, like the, you do a tasting there, but they take you to the back and you can see the grapes and all the machines and the process and stuff. So yeah. if that's of yeah. interest to you, but yeah, I, just, I would, that's oh, a good trip. I, I think I've just categorically ruled those out because it's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a wine drinker, but what you've said makes sense. You know, that would be interesting for me to see how wine is made and to enjoy the beautiful nature that it probably exists around and stuff like yeah. that. Hmm. And and also if even though you're not a big wine drinker, if you wanted to try some, a place like that might be the case. That might be a good opportunity for you because like when you do a tasting, they bring out foods to pair with each wine and the mm-hmm. pores aren't that heavy. So if you don't like it, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll give let you try some that is not going to be bottled for another six months. And so you get to, you taste something exclusive and those, those kind of things. So yeah, I mean it, but either way you could stay there for a week and just kind of eat, 
eat at the different restaurants and stuff and it mm. would be fine. That's cool. And there's, there's also a couple of breweries there, Charles. So I don't know if beer is your thing, but you know, you could also partake in that. And, and I'm not a wine person or, or a beer person for that matter. And uh, I still enjoyed my time. I don't know if I would do a week there if I'm not a wine drinker, but three, four days, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the nature was nice. The weather was nice. The wineries themselves are, are pretty beautiful. And the town is interesting. It reminded me a little bit. There's a there's like this Dutch town in California called Solvang. Mm. And they have like windmills there. <laughs> they have these like 18th century looking buildings and stuff like that. And so Solvang in California, if anyone's been there who's listening, the German version of it in Texas is like Fredericksburg. But also I highly recommend going to Solvang for a couple of days if you're if you're in California because it's it's a unique experience. And I think especially around around Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So there you go. You can add it to the list. Thanks, guys. You've opened yeah. up a whole new category of travel and experiences. Yeah. O- Opus, you know the- Opus Sausages, I think, is out of Fredericksburg. If you've had any of Opus Sausages. Oh, yeah. We drove past that a few times. They sell them at Central Market here. So pretzels, sausages. We got all the German Bavarian style fare. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've been to Fredericksburg maybe when I was in high school. And I, I, I remember parts of the town. But I'm, I'm sure I'd have a completely different experience as a, as an adult now. Oh yeah, and, and plus I'm sure it's massively different. Like I've heard it, yeah. it's grown quite a bit. But yeah, so four trips in twelve weeks that were a little over a week apiece. So that was a a big chunk. And then wanted to basically just spend the summer with the kids. Like they thought it was cool. I didn't have to go to work. And we, I mentioned before, hired a a trainer, like a coach to come and work with the kids for soccer, which was cool. Like I I was actually surprised at first. Noah had said, I don't want to play. It's not my thing. Showed no interest. And so we weren't going to force it, but I brought him along when Amelia went and there was one, one day where we did some shooting practice and I just jumped in the goal to try to block it. And he ran in with me and was playing around. And then after that, he was hooked. And so we just started working with him too. But Amelia took some like really big strides forward. It's cool to see. And especially this season now, you can definitely tell she she's receiving the dividends of, of some hard work over the summer, which mm-hmm. was cool. Hmm. And then Noah's getting into it too. So that's pretty great. A lot of I like I like that they're playing stuff on a team and yeah. learning how to be good teammates and getting active and being outside and stuff. So that was a that was a good kind of happy serendipitous thing that, that we did over the summer, which was nice. Hey, did they did they remember the first sabbatical or were they too young to no. really remember? No. And I didn't take that. Well, I guess I took like seven weeks off on the first one. Yeah. So I, I don't know that they did. Noah was like an infant. He would have been like not even one. Mm-hmm. And then Amelia would be like three or four. So yeah. Chloe, my oldest, she remembered the sabbatical from six years ago. And so it was fun just telling them, at the beginning of the year, it's like, oh, I'm going to be on sabbatical again. And just like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you're not going to work and you're going to be able to spend all the time with us over the summertime. And that was, that was fun excitement. And it was fun anticipating all the trips. And I, I asked them both like, hey, what, what trip do you want to do? You can contribute to the plan here. And Chloe wanted to go to Yellowstone and Charlotte wanted to go to a beach where she could collect shells. And so it was fun to be able to do that for them. And hopefully, hopefully they'll remember this one and we'll get excited about the next one in five years time. Yeah. 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 Call, I'm calling dibs in summer of 2027. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking I like already told Brian, like, Hey, this is when I want to go again. Yeah. But it's like, and he's basically like, shut up. <laughs> you just got back <laughs> too soon. Too soon. Robert. Too soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of travel, a lot of time with the family. Kids were off over the summer. So. I had a lot of kids over playing and stuff because like free babysitting and whatnot. And then, so yeah, really felt like we made up for lost time. And then I spent some time thinking about health and work. Yeah. So similar to what you were talking about, Charles, I had gotten unhealthy during the pandemic, I would say, like exercise nutrition standpoint. And so focused on that quite a bit. 
And then some of that momentum has carried over since I've been back, which is good. And mostly nutrition, intermittent fasting, exercise like together. And it's not like I'm pretty achievement-oriented, like we've talked about that before. And I've tried to have, have a little bit more chill expectations, like m- measure inputs and not be too hung up. Like if I'm, if I'm planning on doing like a 30-hour fast or something, and which I talked to my doctor about, by the way. So again, if you're listening, this is not medical advice. But I was in the office and you wanted to go eat sushi. I would just go and like not even worry about it. Mm-hmm. And I actually, Diana mentioned this and I can't remember if she's watching like a, doing like a workout plan or something, but they were like, when you, when you break your diet or exercise plan, the goal should not be to make up for that over the next week. Mm. The goal should be just to get back on the plan. Mm. Like you don't have to do double over here because you, yeah. And, but what I found is like when I break the plan, it's, it's usually intentional. I, I, I've like short circuited things now. I ask myself the question, like, is it worth it? And it's like, yeah, if we go over to the diner's parents will text us occasionally and say, Hey, you want to go here for dinner? We're cooking. Do you want to come over? I'm not going to not eat there or whatever. So yeah. being a little bit more chill about it, I think is better for the long term. And then it was good to disconnect because I was, I was pretty frustrated. I would say before going on sabbatical, just with some of the things going on at work, I think it's pretty standard frustrations, nothing too crazy, but it was good to get some clarity of thought and. I came to a similar conclusion, which is I I like working here. I want to be here. I'll probably retire here. Mm-hmm. And so how do I set myself up for the long term, maybe do things that may seem counterintuitive in the near term, but it's it's in pursuit of what's what's good for the 10, 15, 20 year ideas. And so I've just been thinking about do I plan my career out in five year chunks between sabbaticals? The next the next mm-hmm. one kids will be 14 and 10. Yeah. And so I think that's probably like going to be a really crucial one. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yep. As far as taking time off and stuff. So Yeah, cuz after that, Amelia will be probably graduated college from, age, I know. Yeah, high school and into college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I don't want to think about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too too soon. Mm. Mm-hmm. I like that but, thinking in terms of five-year career chunks in between sabbaticals. That's I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, what are some things you want to push on between those kind of things? Yeah. And I was also thinking, you know, what, like how much salary would I be willing to accept to to forfeit the sabbatical, essentially? And I couldn't really come up with a number, mm. which mm. was which was telling, because I, I did ask myself the question, like, hey, do I want to be here long-term? Because a lot of our, a lot of people, we, you and I and Igor view as mentors and that we've spent a lot of our careers with have left mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. And it's not unreasonable now to look around and say like this is this is a different place than when I started. A lot of why I stay at a place is the people anyway, and so like is it is this a place I want to be long term? And if that's a valid question to ask, because if the answer is no, everybody's better off. I think if you just move on, yeah, there's no sense trying to force it. And so it was, it felt good to come to that conclusion to have the clarity. I'm not sure I would have, it would have felt good regardless of what I, the the conclusion I came to, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. But I am happy that there's there's plenty, plenty of good stuff that makes me want to stay and lots of potential for the future. So yeah. I'm excited about that. You know, that, that sort of assessment also is hard to do when you're immersed in the day-to-day. That's, I think that's probably expected for people to do that sort of evaluation because, you know, wh- whatever decision that you arrive at, is a good one because you're doing it with a clear head, clear heart, open heart, whatever you want to call it. And I think we probably hope that people will return and say, yes, I'm recommitted and really engaged and want to stay here. But I think it's also perfectly good if people arrive at a different decision. And I think that's part of what, that's part of what these sabbaticals are supposed to help, help people realize where do they want to go in their career and their lives and yeah i'm glad you're i'm glad you're going to be around for a while yeah likewise yeah i have thought about maybe doing it i don't know it probably wouldn't post it publicly but an internal five ten minute video series with people who i mean there's people you and i know that we are we are 100 sure that they've gotten offers while they've worked here for more money mm-hmm. 
like they've been pretty open about it and they decided to stay and so it's it would be interesting to have like a conversation and post it like internally of yeah yep hey why are you still here you very clearly like you had an offer to mm-hmm. to go somewhere else for more money sometimes more than one mm-hmm. and you continually decide to stay like what is it and because we we do a lot of analysis and and interviewing and i think this is completely right around why people leave and Mm. what people are unhappy about and we try to get themes and and address those and i I think that's absolutely the right thing to do but i don't see a lot of the here here are three major themes that people at our like senior architect level really it really resonates with them like let's double down Mm. on some of those too and though strength like doubling a strength is sometimes easier for, for especially from an organization perspective where like you're already doing that so you could like add rocket fuel to it versus yeah. trying to change something that's a weakness and that there's usually a reason yeah. behind it's a little bit harder more friction those kind of things that's that's a smart idea it's it becomes this balancing loop to the the negative reinforcing loop that could exist when you just pay attention to people that are leaving that's like what you're talking about is just highlighting why people stay and the reality is there's a lot more people that stay then leave. But yes. we, we only hear the people that leave. And so it becomes this disproportionate thing. It's like, oh my gosh, we've got this massive problem when in fact we have a we, we may have a problem, but I I don't think it's as big as we think it is. But we have to hear those other yeah. stories to to really validate that. That's a great idea, man. I like it. Yeah. So I don't know if I want to just start doing it and find a place to post it, like on stream or something. Yeah, but could be like a deep deep dive. Yeah, it could be thing on a podcast. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But what I was thinking, and I want to talk about this more broadly internally, is like the the act of getting people to stay is not scalable. Like it takes one on one energy and discussions, right, from a group of people, and it would be helpful if, like, when we're doing our quarterly check ins or whatever, and somebody has a complaint about salary or the pace at which they're growing or our career paths are only only look like this and I want to be I want to be blue shaded and everything else is green shaded what do I do and it'd be cool to say hey there's a 10 minute discussion with me and this other person about this topic like l- go watch that I'll give you a, a bit of a rundown of it go watch it and then let's meet again like in a week mm-hmm. and and discuss it and it'd be cool to have like a library where, because I don't think we were necessarily going to be able to post stuff and then have just a bunch, like everyone in the company watch it. Yeah. Like it's not going to work that way. We, yep. we kind of need like a library mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can reference when you have these discussions as a tool for helping people realize if they want to stay or go, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I, and I do that with manager tools podcast, right? Like when, whenever somebody says, Hey, I'm struggling with my one-on-ones. I send them over to Mark and Mike to their one-on-one series, right? And so there should be something internal that we could do that's much more contextualized and nuanced for our our fins to go and reference. And it's not to avoid a one-on-one conversation. It's actually to enrich the next conversation you have with them because they'll have things that come up as they listen to it that they may not have otherwise had. Yeah, exactly. And then they're hearing the message from more people and they who they can also go out and reach out to. So Yeah, that's right. I do think I mean someone could have really a full-time job creating content around that and like curating it and pushing it to people. You know, like when we have like a delivery miss or something, like the the principal on the account should get an email like an automated email basically saying projects that are shaped like this, like here's some videos that have these tags and that like might be helpful to talk to people about or something. I don't know. That's way, way in the future. I, I think though, creating some, some video that is just like Zoom or something it doesn't. I don't think it should be like highly produced, and have honest discussions with, yeah, people who don't mind being honest and publishing it. Yep. So I think I'm going to push on that a little bit. Could be cool. I'd be happy to help. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm wondering also, like, if Cynthia or someone would be interested in. We can make it like a thing, or do we just post a few? I don't know yet. 
don't know. I mean, I, I did that with some of the, there's, there are people who present their POV ideas to a board and they get thumbs up, thumbs down. And there's a lot of fear and tension surrounding that moment in time. And I interviewed somebody who, who got the thumbs down and asked them if they were comfortable to have that be public. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I want this to help other people. So that's an example of what you're describing. And well, we could just think minimal viable product. It's like, what's just like we did with this podcast, you and I hopped on zoom and talked about yeah. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think. And here we are now the epitome of podcast production and quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. 63 episode 63. <laughs> well, yeah. the funny thing is there's so many podcasts. I think we are definitely in the top 10% of prolifery. That, that feels good to me. Feels good. It yeah. S- supports my ego. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> we we were definitely like have earned negative dollars though, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah, it'll pay dividends at some point in some other way. Just I like. Dollars. I mean, it's helped us. I think talking this stuff through is. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with Bruce about that, where I told him I was trying to pick my head up more, and part of the way I like to do that is just conversation. Just how I'm wired, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're diverging." when you have these conversations, you're in the state of divergence and then you can go and have the convergence side in future conversations or like on your own mm. as you're thinking about what you talked about. Mm. And I was thinking, yeah, that's exactly exactly right. And so, yeah, I think we've been benefited from this pretty yeah. pretty massively. Maybe not Igor though. Nah, he was already, he, he's already uh, achieved the state of transcendence. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he transcended <laughs> us a long yes. time ago. Yeah. That is absolutely right. not true. And, but right on point from Bruce, I do see sometimes both divergence and convergence happening during these podcasts that otherwise would not be fulfilled. And that is immensely. Do you think yeah. that's what our listeners like to see that divergence and convergence happen? I really do wonder like what people. It's not clear to me. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm surprised people <laughs> listen at all. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. But do we actually know if people are listening? I know people yeah. reached out, but there's still metrics yeah. to show people. Yeah, are we listening. have we have metrics and wow. and stuff. Yep. Still blows my mind. Yeah. I try not to look at them. Just some of the stuff I read on podcasting is when people get kind of audience focused, like audience growth focused, it things mm. can get weird. But yeah, I do think there there's a, a podcast I really like, Rule One. It's like this guy who manages a hedge fund. He's been teaching his daughter how to invest for a few years now, and I thought that was pretty cool. I like the father-daughter dynamic, but it's also a topic I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's something around like just three friends who are trying to figure out professional and personal lives. Yeah, like hopefully it's helpful. That that would be ideally we're helpful to a few people and damaging to zero. Yeah, we're like a boring version of Sex in the City. You know, ultra boring. Yeah, <laughs> just just three buds trying to figure out life. I, I don't know. I know a little bit. I'm trying to figure out who's whom, like who, who maps to whom in the show. Oh, I wouldn't know. Okay, yeah, yeah I'd have to go do some research. I can't even yeah. remember their names. I don't know. Yeah, Igor, you probably know. You can just give he, us. He, he probably watch. Yeah, it's it's not it's not important. We don't need, <laughs> we don't need to do the mapping exercise. It's more the dynamic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or, or the, we're the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes. Betty White, right? She is a Golden Girl. Is that right? Be- Betty White. Betty White. Yeah. Uh, wait, Betty, rest in peace? Yes. Oh, mm, rest, in, rest right, in peace, yeah. Betty White. A while ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a pandemic right. thing, I think. Yeah. Maybe that's right. Well, speaking of tangents, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, I think we've puttered out on this one. I'm, I'm going to post it though. I, I think we should. Okay. Igor, yeah, is there anything not? else you yeah. want to share from your two weeks off before spout? I don't know if we got into it. I mean, went to Fredericksburg, went to Galveston, and went to Houston. That was that was really the trip. And Galveston was surprisingly cool. I'd never been. I'd never been to the Gulf before. If I wanted to go to a beach somewhere, I would just fly to Southern California and spend time there. But yeah, I think for the same reasons that Robert didn't want to fly, like we also didn't want to fly because it was just too much of a hassle with flights being canceled and so on. It was just right in the middle of like getting busy for the summer season. And Galveston was cool. Like it was different, but it was it was chill and 
had a had a good time. So I'm I'm a fan. And then went to Houston, and my wife's never been to Houston before, so that was her first sort of experience. And we stayed in the museum district downtown, and it was nice. I was really surprised to hear you say that you like Galveston. I um I just thought you I, you have very refined taste, and and and, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. And so that's I'm glad y'all enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Igor, you're bougie. And it's shocking to hear <laughs> that you like Galveston. It was, sh- you? it was shocking to me that I like Galveston, Charles. Yeah. They they have like a couple of decentish resorts there. And if you stay at the resort, that's not so bad. We made the mistake mm. of like staying at this Airbnb and it was uh, it was rough. Mm. And so we just left a day after we moved in and went like got a resort and it was way better after that. Yeah, you could go hit or miss there. You can, yeah. Did you have yeah. Did you have Fish Company Taco? I know I, I think I sent it to you. Maybe I sent it to you too late though. I think I did have Fish Company Taco. It's like this hole in the wall place and there's basically no air conditioning and they have like a daily special and like these sort of Asian fusion inspired like fish and shrimp tacos. I want to say that we didn't go there but that we like DoorDashed it or Uber Eats or something like that. Um, yeah, I would have had like a something called Empire or I don't remember what the other ones are. Yeah. Because I, anyway. I remember having like a pretty banging like fish taco while I was in Galveston. And I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few really good food spots. Yeah, nice. All right. I'm going to have to go again. And I'll, Robert, I'll just ask you for all the details. So you, you go there pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Every year we go for yeah. 4th of July with the whole family and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. Salsa's is very good. Tex Mex. And uh, yeah, a f- few really solid places for sure. Pretty good golf too. Like if you just want to go play golf. No, thanks. Yeah. I'm out on that. <laughs> but the beach fun, is guys. nice. The golf is nice. If it looks dirty, the water looks dirty. It's not. It's just productive. Like there's a lot of sea life in there. That's so a good you're not going to get like yeah. crystal clear water. Yeah. It's going to be muddy, but it's not polluted. Mm. It's uh, It's just like very active. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I stayed in the pool. Yeah. Also not a bad idea. Cool dudes. All right. Well, it was good catching up with you. Hopefully we can get back on a cadence. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got our calendar invite back on and I think we've had enough cycles to clear the things that were muddying that time slot. And so my assumption is we'll be back on a regular cadence. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. Have a great weekend, guys. Yeah. You too. See ya. Bye. Bye.